Okay, we're moving on now to our fifth story of the evening. And it's not a first time for him, but actually I think it's just a second time. He arrived at our doorstep, so to speak, quite recently and with a brilliant story, which you can hear on our podcast. It's about podcast 199, I think. It is David Simpson. Thank you, Paul. In our second year at university, we took a house together. 29 Ashfield Road, just down from the station, first house in the street. That was us. It felt great to be with kindred spirits after growing up a bit of a loner. 29 Ashfield Road furnished trips that I was too innocent to anticipate. Trevor got the attic. Me and Buzz had the middle floor. Mary got the downstairs front room. The kitchen was at the back through a dining room with the door out to a yard. Trevor was an old bear of a man, unsure why or how he got into university. Slow in his speech and movements, but his sense of humor was always out of left field. I had a soft spot for him. He kind of made me feel safe. Buzz, busy young man about town, frizzy hair and lean. Southeast England, Surrey probably. Mary was a large assertive woman. In those days you couldn't say aggressive, but she was the biggest personality in the house. And finally me, Faye, innocent and a bit insecure. I had to check with Buzz that it was okay to paint my room mimosa. We settled in really easily. Late at night, Trevor would play his saxophone under the eaves, plaintive and soulful. We'd all get back from the university disco and sit around the gas fire in the back room, eating toast and swapping gossip about who'd got off with who. I never paid a lot of attention. As soon as the DJ started, I was on the floor, flares flashing, feet rushing, prancing, swirling, a dervish before I even knew about them. So I used to lean back against the sofa and let the sweat cool on me. One Friday, the local Hells Angels chapter turned up at the disco. We weren't too sure what to expect, but they were just teenagers in their stinking jeans and leather jackets. Mary started to circle the leader. Tall, thin, very contained as if he wasn't actually in the room. They did their ritual dance to Sly and the Family Stone and ended up mating in the front room whilst we had another round of toast. He's called Edge, announced Mary the next morning. He's moving in. Fine, we chorused. One more mouse to feed, but that was okay. We heard him before he got to the front door that evening, roaring motorbikes, spinning tires, screeching into Ashfield Road. He hadn't come alone. There were four other bikers with him. He headed into Mary's room. The others walked past us in the back room and went down into the cellar with sleeping bags. The chapters split, said Mary by explanation. He was the deputy, now he's the leader, new chapter. Edge was shy. He caught my attention. 
Mary noticed. He likes you too. He's been in prison. They became a couple. We got the teenagers. The smell from the basement caught in the back of your throat, especially if they were breaking in a new pair of jeans. They'd piss on them, wait for them to dry, then piss on them again. The object was to get them so rigid with dried piss that they would stand up on their own. It wasn't all bad though. Early Tuesday mornings, they'd ride off into the night. When we woke down on the kitchen table where every kind of bun, cake, cream tart you'd ever seen. The workers at the local bakery threw out the seconds and our boys brought them home for breakfast. I loved heading upstairs to listen to Trevor talk about his life. I played sax at Ronnie Scott's in the 50s. I knew Spike Milligan. There was lots of drugs, too many. It got so bad, I had to go cold turkey in a cottage in the Lake District. Me and a friend, we only had the Bible to read. That was so Trevor to find interest in a Bible as he sweated out years of addiction. I'm clean now, do a bit of dope if someone's offering. I went along with the crowd. I don't think I thought about things very much. Show me the dance floor. Or when I wasn't too shy, let me sit on the doorstep with Edge. Neither of us knowing what to say. Different worlds. I did get a ride on his bike, holding onto his old leather jacket, roaring round the streets of Lancaster. I tried dope once at a university concert, done nothing for me. So I was caught unawares when a drag queen from New York came to stay with Trevor. He baked a sweet mincemeat pie. I love mincemeat and innocently ate half of it. I sat in my mimosa bedroom, embroidering her a Winnie the Pooh for my twin brother. As the needle pulled the red thread through the weave, the colors seemed to get stronger. Don't kid yourself, David, you're just imagining it. A few more reds, stronger colors, and a voice inside my head. You have to lie down. I lay on the bed. Don't go to sleep. Whatever you do, don't go to sleep, you'll die. I didn't go to sleep. I lay there as the room dissolved into two dimensions. If you put your hand through the wall, you'll enter the void. I decided not to do that either, but my attention was completely caught. There was nothing outside the four walls of my room, nothing, just space, black emptiness. A triangle of pink lights started to throb on my third eye, like a string of pink pulsating pearls. Through all this, I dimly realized I was in trouble. I heard Trevor shaving in the bathroom next to my room. I got up, opened the door, and everything disappeared. I was on the landing. My bedroom no longer existed. I heard Trevor humming some jazz. Trevor, I'm not feeling very well. He turned and everything went dark. Damn, said Trevor, here, 
put this shilling in the meter. I took it and started down the stairs. I have a memory of being at the meter as the bare bulb in the cellar came on. Walking back up the dusty stairs, I got smaller and smaller. I entered the back room and I was tiny. The walls were like castles, the furniture like buildings. I started to cry. Trevor wrapped me up in his arms and we sat on the sofa. You'll be all right. Did you take anything? Or just the drag queen's mince pie? <gasps> that idiot. Here, come closer. I don't know how long we sat in that vast chamber. People came and went peering down from the ceiling at me. Is he okay? Asked Buzz. Do you think you could sleep? Asked Trevor. Hmm. He cradled me up the stairs. Throwing off my blankets, we lay down with my head on his shoulder. At some point in the night, he must have left me as I woke up alone, feeling a bit strange. Everyone looked up when I shakily entered the back room. You're right, asked Mary. Watch what you're taking in future. I kind of liked the attention. I felt a bit like I joined the gang. For years, I never touched marijuana again. I'm too sensitive, I told myself. My senses pick up things that ordinary people don't sense. I told myself all sorts of things. It wasn't until years later that my wife said, you didn't eat dope. You do know that, don't you? Uh, no, I just thought I couldn't eat it. But it wasn't dope. What do you mean? I said, bewildered, as I'd lived off my I can't eat dope story for a long time. You had a trip. The tart was laced with LSD. Back at university the following year, I went into halls. I rarely saw Trevor. One night I went down to the chip van in the corner of the car park. A familiar figure had just picked up his chips. Hey, Trevor, how are you? Not bad. Where are you living? In a caravan at the back of the campus. It does me. And I knew it would. Old bear Trevor. Thank God he was shaving, whilst I, unbeknownst to me, was tripping. Uh, David. Thanks so much. That was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. What you. a wonderful, eclectic little community in that house. It was mad. We had we we were connected to some of the kind of really hard left politicos, the international Marxist group and stuff like that. And they used to come around and they'd say, Oh, the freaks in the attic, the bourgeois boys are on the middle floor, and the working classes are in the cellar. <laughs> Needless to say, you were the bourgeois, I assume. Oh, totally. <laughs> that is, that is, um, it's just a brilliant story. I mean, uh, the insights into the treatment of the genes. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we, what happened, which is really funny, it was the 70s. So the university was very into kind of alternative courses. And one of the courses we did was modern life in literature, film and sound. So we did the Beatles, the Stones. And I asked to do my project for that year on Hell's Angels. So they let me do it. So I basically recorded them. I went on the bikes. Also, I'm not, it's a real shame I haven't kept it because it, might, it would be probably quite a hoot. 
But yeah, no, they explained exactly the whole process and all that kind of stuff. The other thing they did, one, one, one weekend a year, they went up to the mountains outside Lancaster into a cave and they nicked someone's sheep and they <laughs> killed it and you know cooked it over a fire, like real kind of wild men stuff. And then they'd come back and we'd feed them. Lord, my God. Well, I suppose this purse sheep was going to end up dead at some point, so... They just they hastened its end. <laughs> wow. I, I, there's, there's just so much in that that always, you know, that, that line, he likes you too, he's been in prison. <laughs> I mean, that just is hilarious. <laughs> and the idea of you in that house doing embroidery. Yep. <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, you had quite a student existence, didn't you? I did. I've done many things in my time, Paul. <laughs> oh, great. David, thank you so much. Pleasure. I mean, thank you'll you. always know to avoid a drag queen's mince pies. Oh, oh never again. Never again. Never again. But thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank great you. to see you. Thanks, mate. Uh, wow. Where do you go after that? <laughs>